everybody, this is So Many Sequels, and I am Josh. I am Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Woo! We did it all and remembered our own names. Uh, (laughs) I've been doing this for three years. Well, you know, sometimes you forget your own name. Today on the show, we are continuing our adventure back into the MCU with Iron Man 2. Uh, Electric Boogaloo. What an incredibly unique and uh, specific name for this film. No, that's fine. I'm just making fun of it. Although, is it is it the only one besides, let's see, the Guardians and Guardians Volume 2. That's yeah, a, but that's Iron like Man's the only one that didn't have a subtitles. subtitle. Yeah. It just went straight numerals, just two, yeah. three. Yeah. You know, the other ones had Dark World, Ragnarok, all that stuff. Volume 2, that's at least a unique way of saying, you know, part two. Well, and they did yeah. that. They did the volume two just because of how successful the mixtape thing yeah, was. Yeah, the mixtape so premise. Like volume one is the first mixtape, and then you have like now twenty four hundred. Like that's what they were doing. It plays really well. Um, Iron Man two came out just a couple years after the first one in twenty ten, and is a obviously a continuation of. Iron Man. We're not very deep into the MCU at all. This is only the third film. Um, it, it came right after The Incredible Hulk, also mm-hmm. that also in 2008. So we've only seen Hulk and Iron Man so far. I don't even think, uh, as an audience, people really understand what's being built right now, oh. which makes it very exciting because there are, there are nuggets and hints all throughout this movie. Some more blatant ones. Um, like when Nick Fury shows up with the Avenger Initiative paperwork uh, report. So, mm-hmm. I, Robert Downey Jr. obviously returns as Iron Man. We've got uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, but this time we've got a brand new roadie. Uh, Don Cheadle takes over the role from Terrence Howard, and uh, introducing in this film uh, Scarlett Johansson, the first appearance of Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And also, we've got a nice villainous turn from Sam Rockwell and uh, Mickey Rourke, uh, <laughs> who should not have been in this movie. But no. we'll get into that. <laughs> so, I don't think he spoke. No, I say it. I don't think he spoke more than 10 words. That's because he had a bad Russian accent that no one could understand anything. All of his, almost all of his lines are in the trailer, except for him saying, hey, man. Yeah. Like, it's all the If you watch the trailer for Iron Man 2, he gets out most of his dialogue there. And then the rest of him in this movie is just him going, hey, man. And then I repeating whatever bird. someone just said. I want my bird. He just repeats what people say. It's great. Right. So, yeah. Iron Man 2 uh, takes place in the aftermath of the first one. First one ended with Tony being like, hey, you know what? I am Iron Man. Uh, yeah. Breaking, busting the norm of superheroes in the past. And now, naturally, the U.S. government wants everything he has because why wouldn't they? Um, I don't sort even know, Mickey. Yeah, uh, there are other countries around the world are trying to create their own Iron Man suits um, to make war. <laughs> Not love. And and uh, Mickey Rourke, who I don't even remember his name. Ivan Vunkels. Ivan. There you yeah. go. Uh, he's just mad. He just has a personal vendetta and mm-hmm. wants to get back at and the know-how at Tony and the Starks. Mm-hmm. So this movie is like Tony versus the government. Uh, Tony versus Russia man. Tony versus um, Sam Rockwell, who <laughs> literally just is the same character as Jeff Bridges in the first one. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. He's the same character as Tony Stark in the first one. But if Tony Stark never had a, 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 a humbling experience. Right. He's all, I mean, the, one of the funniest it's things about It's just another movie, big corporate guy who wants his suit. Like, it's the, the crazy same concept. thing about the Marvel Universe as it was presented to us back then is that in this universe, weapons industrialists are like YouTube stars. Like, Ooh, they're all yeah. dancing and jazzing and everybody's like really interested in what weapons industrialists are doing. And I'm like, I couldn't name you a single weapons industrialist in the real world. Like, no, I mean, they're being interviewed by Vanity Fair. Yeah. Hey, they know weapons industrialist ever been interviewed by Vanity hey, Fair. Hey, hey, hey. If anything, it was just um, um, foreshadowing because let's be real. I said when, when you were watching earlier today, Tony is just Elon Musk. 
That's all yeah. he is. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. and we don't have a lot of Elon Musks right now because, well, we just don't. But mm-hmm. you have mimickers, copycats, you know. Yeah. The, the idea of the eccentric billionaire being a personality is definitely real today. Um, Elon Musk is just the only one who knows how to build rockets. <laughs> And, yeah. Yeah. and did you uh, did you guys catch uh, Musk's cameo in this? Mm-hmm. No, I did not. He's oh, yeah. yeah, he was at the racetrack. He's at the racetrack. Wow. He's top, like Tony walks up to him. He goes and he says like Elon, and he goes and Elon's like, "Hello, Tony." I don't, I can't do Elon Musk's voice, but he's like, "I got an idea for an electric rocket for you." And Tony's like, "You do? Well, we'll get that to work." No, and I he, missed that. I oh. guess I just didn't. It just didn't click with me that that was. Really, Elon Musk? I don't know that man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't in 2010, definitely. No, definitely not. But I, I think it's very prescient in that in that way that like, yeah, this is what they this is what they go on to become. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd all seen this movie before, right? It Just is. most of us didn't remember it. Yeah, no, I remembered it pretty well. I think I knew David would, but I knew Garrett didn't remember it, and I didn't really. And Andrew doesn't remember anything except random dates from the calendar. And movies he's never seen. And movies he's never seen. So how revisiting this movie after seeing the completion of the Infinity Saga, how do we feel about its place in the overall story? I think it's okay. I wouldn't say it's it's not groundbreaking. It's it's just it's like it just continues the story of Tony, and and along the way we get a, a very pissed off Russian. <laughs> yeah, I mean it plants it plants some important seeds mm-hmm. through the introduction of um, Black Widow and yeah. the idea of the Avenger Initiative and all that. But they're really just hints at this stage. But they're important ones. They're important seeds. But I think overall, I would agree with you that it doesn't, it doesn't add a lot, but I don't think it really needed to yet. It's like a filler movie. Kind of. I mean, I mean, like, but yeah, no, I get, I totally get you. Like there's, there's a reason for it being here, but like, right. There's a reason. It does the right things. Yeah. It's just on its own. It maybe could have been a little better. That's what I think anyway. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Next. And, you know, one of the common complaints that when the movie came out, like Andrew Spoker, at least, at least around the time Avengers actually came out, when people would rewatch Iron Man 2, they would just talk about how all it is is a setup for other movies. There's <clears throat> foreshadowing for Thor. There's foreshadowing for yeah. Captain America. Black Widow's here. War Machine's here. Nick Fury's here. The Avengers are in the background. All this stuff, right? And that was a big knock, was that Iron Man 2 is in its own movie. It's a big setup for a bunch of other movies. And while I hear that complaint, I don't feel like any of the setup to me takes that much away from the actual film. Like the biggest, the longest stretch where you could say it does is Nick Fury and Tony Stark talking, but that could be just as much seen as a deeper reveal about Tony's past. And maybe in a, in a world where, Iron Man was being made separately from say Marvel studios. And there weren't these big plans for captain America. They weren't all these big plans for Thor and all these people to come in. This kind of movie probably wouldn't have looked this way. It probably would have been this Russian bad guy who has a vendetta against Tony. And that's your big bad guy for this movie. And that probably would have been about it. Maybe you get those stuff with war machine, but you probably don't get black widow. Um, I think it does. I think it's, Really interesting when you look at it on the grounds of continuing the theme we talked about last week, which is Tony rebuilding his legacy. So much so that Sam Rockwell's character, Justin Hammer, literally says the line, look, you tried to kill, like he says to uh, to Mickey Rourke's character, Ivan Mako, you tried to kill him. If you kill Tony Stark, you're just going to make him a martyr and you're going to make people love him more. If you want to kill Tony Stark, you have to kill his legacy. You need to destroy his reputation. You need to make people think he's that when he dies, people are relieved. And so that becomes sort of the villainous attack on Tony's personal story of redemption. And having now gone through and we've seen Avengers Endgame and we've seen the end of Tony's, the full length of Tony's arc, this movie kind of has important building block elements. 
of Tony becoming, you know, coming to terms with the idea of his mortality where he's slowly dying here in this movie. And he manages to find a way to save himself thanks to bits of his past that he had forgotten. And so you start to see the little bit of seeds of Tony's, what it's going to take for Tony to believe that he's redeemed himself. I think that performances are all fine. I really, I, I think Nick, I think that Sam Jackson coming in after having like literally two lines in the, in the previous film and kind of exploring this this character that has never had his own film um, aside from a Sam, uh, aside from a David Hasselhoff movie in the nineties. I think that's all good. I think Scarlett Johansson's really good. Um, and I think that the action is fine, but at the, by the end of the movie, it gets a little muddy. Yeah. I think they took two different movies and put them into one and they didn't put enough focus in either. Um, been thinking about this. I watched it this morning as we were recording, but I've been thinking about it since then. And I think they could have gone two different ways. You either have a movie with Mickey Rourke as the main bad villain and you explore that background Mm -hmm. because I wrote in my notes that for the first like half hour, I didn't know his name. I didn't know why he was mad at Tony. I didn't care why he was this big bad guy. Mm -hmm. And then later on in the movie, whenever you had that first big conversation with Nick Fury and Tony Stark. Do you find out about Anton? Anton? That's not true, but okay. Well, no, you see his name at the blueprints, but you don't know who he is or what he does. Well, but then Tony gets all this information up when he, before he has his conversation with Rhodey. When? So like, there's a part where he's like sitting in a, he's like sitting in his right, car. Right, but they don't get into it. In, like, like they briefly, all this he briefly goes over Jarvis that. reads off a whole list of things. Yeah, that, that's like a half second of that's like on a you. blink. It's a blink and you missed it. They don't, what I'm saying is they do not. No, it's like, eyes open they don't evolve it. into it. It's a, it's a baseline surface level story. Okay. They don't get into the deep of it. They don't really do much of anything. Yeah. If you really wanted to do it, because it doesn't add anything to Mickey Rourke's character. He was already pissed off before I found out about that. doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. If you want me to have an emotional connection and believe that he's actually angry, then give me that full story. Give me flashbacks. Give me something more showing Howard and Anton working together and Howard being like, you're just in this for money. You're deported or whatever. Like, give me that. Don't just talk about it because I don't care about Mickey Rourke. I don't care about that story. I also don't care about the government angle. I like that angle more. What I wish they would have done is made this movie a character build on Tony and that focus because agreed, he's, this movie should be about him coming to terms with his own mortality and not telling anybody. One of the things that he does throughout the whole movie is try to isolate himself because he knows he's dying. He goes off the deep end. That's what, Tony does. He's always trying to isolate himself Mm. and piss off other people so they're not like hurt if and when something were to happen to him. And he comes across as a dick, but he's doing it because he cares. The one person that he truly genuinely cares about and wants to say how he feels is Pepper. And he doesn't know how because he doesn't do emotions. So you have two different kinds of struggles and Pepper's pissed at him because he's acting like an idiot. And she's trying to rein him in. This is a more intriguing story to me than anything involving Mickey Rourke in that backstory. I don't care about it. It's not important. They mm-hmm. easily could have written Rick, Mickey Rourke out of this and had some kind of backroom dealing with Sam Rockwell's character and Gary Shandling's character while Tony is in the process of dealing with all of these different emotions as he struggles to fight his death, his impending slow death. Then he realizes that stuff is going down, changes things, gets back into it. And and that is the movie that I wish we would have gotten because you get more deep into Tony. You have the government aspect of it because later, whenever Tony is on the government side, that will be another turning point. And there's so much they could have done with it. But instead, they gave me half-hearted dual storylines and tried to connect them in a way that didn't work. It, it, it's, I, didn't, I didn't think this movie was as bad as I remember. I was entertained, but that's because I rewrote it in my head where all of the stuff Mickey Rourke was doing, Sam Rockwell was doing. Because the fact that we didn't get more Sam Rockwell is uh, upsetting. See, I feel he's in this movie a lot. 
He didn't do anything. And when he danced, whoa. He danced. He Dan- talked. Sam Rockwell's he so much better than this movie. About, uh, you know, all the guns he's going to put it, he's going to give Rhodey. Yeah, but take away everything that Mickey Rourke does and put Sam Rockwell in there and you get more Sam Rockwell and where's the negative? That's true. Well, I mean, you got to look at it from the perspective of obviously uh, Whiplash or Ivan Vanko, he is the, the sort of the, the physical manifestation of Tony's demons. He's the, or Tony's past. He's the, he's the heavy, he's the muscle. You're not going to get that from Sam Rockwell. He's not a, he's not a, he's not a big guy. He's not a fighter. But you don't need it. You could have had, you can have a smart have, villain. The, the, you don't I'm have to have a big bad I, I don't, I know, I know that we don't, but I'm going to tell you, the general movie going audience is, wants to see a superhero fight a, fight a bad guy. And like, they would have in the whole drone scene. Yeah, I know. And, and that's, and so that's you don't need a big bad somebody, like that when you've got see, a smart you guy have a who bad can do guy it. that you want to see get beat. Sam Rockwell would have been that guy with all Sam. of his drone army. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you, if you're trying to defend Mickey Rourke in this movie, you're the only one. He I'm not trying to really, honestly, I'm not trying to defend Mickey Rourke. I'm trying to dating. He adds nothing to the story. I'm not There's trying nothing to defend Mickey Rourke at all. There's I'm nothing to, there I, in that story. If I'm trying to defend anything, I'm trying to defend the, the character of Ivan Vanko because that character can work. Yeah, but they didn't very well. Uh, in a different movie where he's the main focus yeah, and not a yeah, dual focus. Where he gets more focus, I think, yes. absolutely. Or where you introduce his collaboration with uh, Justin Hammer uh, maybe earlier to kind of signify that the world is starting to close in around Tony, that Tony still views himself as this singular superhero and the world is starting to catch up with him faster than he realizes. Um, and it's all based on things that he's done all based on his, his own, the own, his own bad guys that he's created, you know, or that his father's created or that his company's created that kind of stuff. I mean, that's going to be a theme of the MCU for pretty much the remainder of it's time is look at even age of Ultron Wanda and, 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 uh, and uh, Quicksilver. They talk about how their lives essentially are to get back at Tony Stark. You know, we get like Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, character, Quentin back in Spider-Man. It's just the, the effect of Tony Stark's company across the world. That's going to like play an impact. So they could have done both of those characters a lot more justice if they really fed more to them. But I think, I think the movie is too concerned with finding a way to make it also entertaining to play to traditional blockbuster tropes to be as character-driven as I think you or I might like it to be. In the movie that I wrote in my brain while watching this, you don't lose any of the things that make it a blockbuster. You have the fights. You have the car scene. You have all of these things. You just don't have Mickey Rourke in, in, his, in the car crash scene. You don't need Mickey Rourke there to defeat him and be Whiplash. What you need is Tony to ha- Tony is Iron Man, right? He is just a regular guy outside of that Iron Man suit, but he feels invincible. So he gets in this car without his suit on, gets in some kind of major crash, major crash. And then the news media is like, is this the guy that we have protecting us? Just one man? He's just a guy outside of that suit. Anything can happen to him. And that has the same effect as Mickey Rourke fighting him. It doesn't change anything. You just put it in a different perspective because then you have uh, Justin Hammer. You have Justin Hammer who's there like, yes, give me that technology. I'm working on this too. And he's doing the backroom dealings with Gary Shandling and that character. And you have that side story who Gary Shandling's trying to take down Tony Stark. Justin Hammer's trying to get in on this. And you have Tony Stark who is a human being, invincible. You do not need anything Mickey Rourke brought to this table in the story. I disagree, but uh, what does everybody like, else think? Um, so I don't, like, I don't like the Whiplash character in this movie, um, so I can't defend that. But I do think there is, one, there is one thing that changes significantly if you were to remove him, and that is the motivation between whiplash and justin hammer they have two very different motivations and if you put them both on paper whiplash's motivation is more emotionally engaging Mm -hmm. and i think i i don't know maybe i'd rather have because now i'm just talking freewheeling and i'm not thinking before i speak so (laughs) 
maybe maybe they needed to take out Sam Rockwell and well, put that's in what more I'm whiplash. Two of these, like that's what I that's my point is you can have a movie with Mickey Rourke's character and it be a good movie, or you can have a good movie with Sam Rockwell's character. You cannot have a good movie with both of them because you do not get deep enough into either one for mm-hmm. it to matter. They went deeper into the Sam Rockwell and the government angle, in my opinion, than they did with Ivan Vanko. I get that they yeah. talked about it, but they didn't give me enough to sell it in a way that I cared about it. I get why Mickey Rourke's mad, but like you didn't give me anything for me to care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, w- I will agree. Um, they could have centralized their villain more. Yeah, and I think that's just an overall problem with superhero films that, that choose to put two villains into the story. Um, we, we see that time and time again where when two villains have to share the focus, it can be hard to um, find a, a peg to really care about because they're just competing too much. Um, but I do think that, I don't know. I don't know if it was just the Mickey Rourke of it all in that I don't think he's a, I don't think he was a good fit for this role. Um, you know, I've not seen a lot of his work, so I can't judge him as an actor overall, but if I, if, if the only thing you show me is Iron Man two, I think he's a bad actor. <laughs> Andrew, do you um, remember, did the wrestler come out before or after this? The wrestler came out before this. So they're trying to Robert Downey Jr. Mickey Rourke in this movie where I, Mickey Rourke went through a very similar path of Robert Downey Jr and had the comeback of The Wrestler where he was nominated for an Oscar. And this is like the resurgence of Mickey Rourke's career. So they were like, pull him into this movie. And I it think, did not have the same effect. Yeah. I, I think, think Robert Downey Jr. was a big part of that. He also that wanted to get be. Mel Gibson in one of these movies. Ooh. I know. I think Robert Downey Jr. is very big on handing out the second chances. I get it, but some people don't deserve it. Yeah, Robert well, Downey Jr., as great as he is, may not always have great judgment. I think we know that very well. Mm. <laughs> This well, man went from in-game to Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> Doolittle. Andrew, speak. Say words. The only thing I would say is that I think this movie, it, didn't, it did not bring, did not do anything for Mickey Rourke's career. In fact, I think it may have killed him. Well. <laughs> Maybe. Well, hang on. Like, you keep talking. After, 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 20, after this... After Iron Man two, what was the last thing you heard about Mickey Rourke being in? I think this. I think this same year he was in The Expendables. Like that's, that's awesome. all that I remember that as being part of his big comeback was the like this Expendables. He did the wrestler, and yes, then I don't remember anything he's been in since. So after, um, I know he's done a lot of stuff. Well, like, after 2010, the only thing on his wiki page that I have heard of is uh, Sin City 2, which mm. you can listen to on the So Many Sequels podcast feed. Feed? Feed. Feed. If you scroll back far enough. Uh, he was in that. However, since then, the majority of his roles that I'm seeing are direct-to-DVD. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. In one movie called Dead in Tombstone, he played Satan. <laughs> You know, and it's possible that his career is 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 uh, been affected more so by maybe his, uh, his what he's like off screen more so than it is like actual demand for him. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I've heard he does not have a good reputation. Yeah. Well, and a, and a, you know, to talk about the wrestler very briefly, a a like inspired performance that gets a lot of um, uh, critical acclaim does not make a career for you. Um, no. And he's, he was at the stage in his career where he kind of needed a second one, a second wind. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just do really good in a movie and that doesn't mean you're going to do good in the next one. Well, yeah. And, and by that you know? point in his career, the expectations were very low. So I think a, a know, lot of people when comes in, surpassing low expectations. A lot of actors take home Oscars and then you never hear of them again. That's true. And it's, now Mickey Rourke had the he you know he's actually famous he was successful before he got that before he got the wrestler but also I mean like Mickey Rourke if we're going to talk about Mickey Rourke for just a second Mickey Rourke has had like the most interesting of careers 
has, he's had an interesting interesting career. He be it he's not been he's not been in trouble with drugs or anything. He has uh, like he he has had run-ins with the law. Like he's not he's he's apparently not a good guy in real life. Which you know he may be a good actor, but whatever. But the thing is, is that like like if you look back at some of his other movies, you know some of his other movies were okay, and it's like it, and then all of a sudden you know he goes dormant for a little bit. At one time he was a boxer. At one time he was a boxer for several years. And he was doing paycheck roles, and his his career resurgence didn't start until like two thousand, I would say two thousand three, and two thousand eight was its peak. And I like I don't know what I don't know what was going through his head after this movie in terms of like movie to, in terms of in terms of movie choices, but it's just like. The guy just can't get a break from this stuff. It's like he gets one good movie, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I don't want to talk about Mickey Rourke anymore. No, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Natasha Romanoff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You mean Natalie Rushmore? Rushman? Natalie Rushman. Cody. Scarlett Scarlett Johansson. Whatever you want to call her. Scarlett Johansson. Jost. Mrs. Jost. Sort of. I'll tell you what, you talk about sort of having a character sort of like right instantly, I think they did it. Like I, there's not been, not to say that she, the character hasn't grown, but I feel like they kind of nailed the mystique. They nailed the, the, the sort of the, the, the sense of competence. Like she, like she and, and, the, and the, the, the story here for her, just pitch perfect, really yeah. makes you curious to see more. Yep. I agree with that, and it's really interesting because um, Natasha's not the first character that I, or not the last character that I feel like they do that with. I mean, we also get to know um, Hawkeye and um, the <laughs> uh, Scarlet Witch and mm-hmm. her brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, really, really, um, what's his name? Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Oh, we we yeah. we really are introduced to all those characters through side stories in other movies, and they like all oh, hit great, I think. And yeah. so it's very interesting how they how they're able to do that so well. But some of their other like they can have they can give a character their own movie and not quite hit right. Yeah, it's time. strange how that can that can kind of occur. Yeah, it's it's awesome that like our first big scene with Natasha, she just like beats up on Happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's just fun as hell yeah and she and he, she has this like i mean it's kind of funny because because robert it just has to it feels like a robert downey jr improv line where she says like i need an impression he goes you have an old soul i, I, yeah. I feel like somehow without like i mean this all comes down to kind of like just appearance but you get that when you say like she seems like she's so much smarter than she's letting on um right. and uh and then she you know fighting style really cool she has some uh, sweet lucha moves she throws in there Uh, yeah and happy's like the least intimidating uh (laughs) kind dude ever and he even he is like being excessively condescending to her at first like (laughs) what do you do taibo booty boot camp and then she just like boom knocks him out she kicks his booty ruins him and and pepper's like wow it's like good god uh it was great it was great it was great it makes me wish that we would have gotten some kind of, well, I mean, I, I know that we got a Black Widow movie coming out, but I don't necessarily even know if I wanted a Black Widow movie. What I would have liked is some kind of a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie that incorporates Coulson, Black Widow, and Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. That yep. is a movie that I dream of on a regular basis. Look, not, and I, not to go on a tangent, but the fact that, like, general, the masses of MCU fans don't respect Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it just upsets me to my core. 100%. They are some yeah. of the best characters in the universe and no one really knows yeah. about oh, them. Oh, and you, you throw in, no one watches that show. Yeah, throw in Maria Hill too. Mm-hmm. Like, give me all of those characters in some kind of a movie. And, 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 throw, and, so and throw in Hawkeye. Why not? Yeah. He's part Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Grant Ward. Um, no. No, I actually no. thought around 2014, 2015, they were going to make a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie. I thought that was like a legitimate thing that was going to happen. It, been um, cool. it, it ended up being... Uh, I think they'd already had Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. on for a season by that point, but I thought, like, 
So, you know, you have your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., sort of smaller squad. Why not a big movie? I felt like Winter Soldier kind of proved out that it would be like uh, it could work. But it ended up being even more uh, complicated than that. And Yeah, well, and like, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I would have loved an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. movie, don't get me wrong. But I don't even know if I needed it as much as it would have been nice if some of those characters got to pop into the movies every now and then, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. that would have been swell, but that's a different show. We're here to talk about Iron Man too. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, what did we think? You know, we didn't really mention uh, John Favreau as happy last week, but he's, 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 it's really, it's a fun cameo that they really explore more in the next movie, but I, I really enjoy John Favreau as a look. As you love, you love to see happy. You yeah. love it. He's yeah. he's always a pleasure, and it's been fun watching him um, grow in the universe as well, from being uh, Tony's right-hand man to being Peter Parker's, like, handler, essentially, mm-hmm. especially in the in, in the aftermath of, of Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing him become a, a vital part of the Spider-Man movies has been fun. Yeah. We're just spoiling everything. Y'all have seen those movies. If you haven't, I really don't feel sorry for spoiling it. <laughs> Be strange if like you only saw Iron Man two out of all of them, yeah. wouldn't it? I feel like if you <laughs> if you care about Marvel movies even a tiny bit, you've seen them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't, you probably are not listening to a podcast about Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, you. The only one you have is like Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Yeah, I like Happy. Happy John Hogan? Favreau. It works Happy out because John Favreau was a re- legitimately good actor. So like. Yes. It works out yeah. that like he casts himself in like a small role, and then when they ask if they they come to him and say, "Hey, we want to make Happy a slightly bigger role," it's like, "Well, perfect," because he's 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 a good enough actor; he can pull that off. Yeah, yeah. He he was very smart to do that. Um, it was like career insurance. <laughs> Even if I'm not making these movies anymore, they'll still need Happy. Yeah, they'll call me back. <laughs> you want to talk about Don Cheadle? Yeah, let's yes. talk about Don Cheadle. A Always. an excellent entrance. When he's not only talking to Tony, but kind of talking to the viewers, where he's like, yeah, yeah. it's me, I'm here, let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, they don't even, there's no need to make a big deal about, oh, Rhodey, you look different. None nice of that haircut. crap had to happen, oh. yeah. I we didn't that. really talk yeah. about Terrence Howard. Well, we kind of talked about like why he was gone, like what happened yeah. to him, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, there's not a lot to say about Rhodey in the first yeah. movie. I enjoy Terrence Howard. I have nothing against him, but I will always pick Don Cheadle over Terrence Howard. <laughs> um, so I was, and I think that Cheadle's got more of an edge to him than Howard. Um, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I just feel uh, like, uh, I feel like Cheadle brings some kind of intensity to that role that mm-hmm. Terrence Howard did not have. He has more chemistry with Robert Downey Jr., I think, too. Yeah. That is true. Because I was going to say, like, yeah. Terrence, so <laughs> when I think of Terrence Howard, I think of whoever he played on empire mm-hmm. that dude has edge. He just was not showing sure. it in iron man. That's fair. And that's fair. Uh, Cause I've never seen that. So I don't know. He can be very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't also know why think, like that. I, well, I also think of like Terrence Howard from, uh, from crash. Cause he was also very intense from crash. Nobody thinks about crash. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about crash. You would think about like one of the worst best picture winners ever chosen. <laughs> get out of here you ought to leave well i'm out <laughs> see i I'll, i digress i'll, I'll split what do you think of don you cheadle, because, Andrew? yeah what was your question but what do you think about don cheadle i think don cheadle is a great addition and i i like his energy and and i do like his chemistry a lot with robert downey jr and i think he brings a lot more grit true grit True. Yep, true grit. And I think uh, for I mean for exiting uh, for Terrence Howard exiting, I think Don Cheadle was a perfect fit. Well, let's be clear here. Terrence Howard did not exit; he was forcibly removed. There's a difference. Okay, that's but, true. Um, I'm, being, I'm being nice, so you know this does go in though to your to you, your complaint, both of your complaints about the movie kind of having too many storylines to focus on. You're also talking about you're introducing this idea of Rhodey becoming War Machine. You've got this Black Widow threat. You've got Justin Hammer. You've got Whiplash. You've got the government. You've got Tony. You've got Pepper uh, running now running Stark Industries. So, like, 
what did you guys think about how they kind of got to the point of Rhodey becoming War Machine, which is kind of a, a he's now at this point essentially the third superhero in the in, in, in MCU at this point that we've we, we've gotten to see. I'm fine with it because again, I rewrote this movie in my brain and I gave deeper meanings to everything. So in my brain, Tony Stark knows what he's doing mm-hmm. and everything is calculated. This man is not stupid. This man is under the belief that he is dying and he is at this point in time. So he, him handing over the, the uh, company to Pepper Potts calculated smart. He trusts her. She, he knows that she's going to do the right thing. It's handled. Well, it makes sense. Um, him fighting Rhodes. Mm-hmm. We also learned that that was on purpose. Like he knew what he was doing. He wanted Rhodes to take that suit. He knew that Rhodes was going to do the right thing and the trustworthy man to take over for him in the event that he needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he does work for the government and the military, um, Tony knows what he's doing and he trusts his friends. He handles it in a poor way, but he handles it in the Tony way. Uh, my biggest thing is that you, you're right. He essentially has become the third superhero in this universe. And outside of this movie, we very rarely see War Machine do anything ever again, which is a shame. He does of things. real consequence. He does things. But like, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't really get a chance to shine. He's just kind of like a C player. And he's not even a B player. He's a C player in, the, in this mm-hmm. franchise or in this uh, universe. He looks cool. But he yeah, does. like he has a kind of a, he has a nice moment at the, in, you know, towards the end of Age of Ultron. But my favorite thing is if you're a, uh, if you're kind of person who likes like drinking games or, you know, like, uh, I don't know, some other kind of game on that, on that style, uh, during the Civil War fight at the airport, take a drink every time uh, War Machine gets punked out. It's uh, it's pretty hilarious. Dude's getting kicked, dinged around, punched, thrown, cars chucked at him. It's like everything happens. Everything bad happens to War Machine. Very funny. Yeah. <laughs> but he looks cool. Great design. I actually think I like this design more than what we would see in later movies. Um, he just looks bulky and huge. I love the gun on his back. It's great. I have the red eyes as opposed to Tony's blue. That's really cool. Well, in that end battle scene with them whooping up on all the drones is, is the best scene in the movie. I think in, so. Or uh, that's fight scene. Best fight mm-hmm. scene in the movie, in my opinion. Um, and they, yeah, they, they, re- they still reuse it. that shot whenever they do like compilation videos of, of, uh, iron, of MCU stuff. I think, it, I think that was like the shot they were like planning for the whole movie was two Iron Man mm-hmm. tearing through a bunch of robots. You guys have anything to add about Chi and War Machine? I personally liked I personally liked the fight between War Machine and Tony in Tony's house. Mm-hmm. I personally liked that, and I liked how it ended with Tony be, ended up being in the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like that was good symbolism. I I don't have anything to say about Chi and and War Machine that hasn't been said, but I do think about how different Tony is. In these move in these early movies, than he is toward the end, and like yeah, Tony's funny sometimes in these movies, and he's got like a certain suave to him, but man, is he a dick! Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so childish, and it's like frustrating because na- in twenty twenty, I'm used to like the experienced, like smart, cautious, smart ass Tony, not the Isn't. like <laughs> yeah, the wizened. Tony, yeah. <laughs> not this one who's like throwing parties and letting anyone play with his Iron Man suit and mm-hmm. just being a general ass. Yeah. It's well, and, and it goes to like him. I, the one thing that I really didn't like about this movie was him DJing in the Iron Man suit. Like that was dumb. <laughs> like that. Um, with a DJ AM. Yeah. But I didn't like it. Um, but what I, again, what I did like is, is Josh taking your, analysis of Tony into this consideration is you look at it from the big picture and it's hard to remove yourself from knowing everything that happens. Yeah. Um, But it is interesting to see that he is so emotionally stunted, but you can also tell by the way that he interacts with these people that he genuinely cares about happy pepper, 
and Rose. Like those are the people in his life that matter to him. And even if he's being a child, he's always got a little something in line for them, even though he doesn't know how to express it. Later, Tony would have been like, hey, Rhodes, you want you want the suit? This Tony is like, I'm going to fight him and make it mad so he steals the suit and takes it to the government because that's actually what I want, but I just don't want to tell him because I'm a child who doesn't know how to handle my emotions. So it is really interesting knowing the bigger picture and seeing that evolutionary growth that he does eventually go through and knowing what happens later down the line. So I do like that. Um, and it's just kind of fun to see this version of Tony Stark again, because you haven't seen it in a long time and you kind of forgot about it. You forgot how uh, suave and arrogant he really was. Like even his arrogance in the later movie is not matched the level of these two movies. No, cause it's more, he's, he, he, yeah. Cause it's much more built on, uh, you know, I like his, his arguably post Avengers or, you know, as the Avengers movie begins, his circle of trust and his circle of what he might consider family starts growing immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about a guy who has been essentially orphaned since he, he was like 18 years old or 17 years old or something like that. And, uh, didn't really have that much, you know, like a great relationship with his parents even before that. So you're talking about a guy who doesn't have a lot of like a very circle, wide circle of trust outside of literally two people. And that just continues to grow. And as it grows, you kind of see him become more attached to preserving that. Um, and in this movie, I guess he thinks he's headed towards being done. And so like the two people that he trusts the most, he tries to do what he can for them. But personally he has, so he, I think he has a certain level of contempt for himself that like he doesn't really care how he goes, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, to pick, oh, I had something I forgot. Go ahead. Dang it, um, it'll come back to me. Well, I was gonna I was, say, well, oh, yeah. uh, I was gonna transition the conversation. Oh, okay. I was just gonna bring up uh, the late Gary Shandling was very good, and I wanted to bring up yeah. John Slattery as Howard Stern for the first time. He we would see him return a few times as well. I thought he yeah. did. Good I I would I would watch a show about Gary Shandling senator. <laughs> if they would have gone with my version of the movie, you would have got more of them. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But no, yeah. what I was going to talk about is again going back to my version of this movie. You you get you gotta quit making your own versions of the movies. Version you're not, of the movie. We're not talking about your made up movies. Yeah. In this version, you get more like what matters is you're learning more about Tony, and you learn about you get a bigger impact from that moment. Yeah. Of when his father is talking to him from the past. We need in a deeper dive into Tony. Uh-huh. That moment. Re- I, like that's a great moment in this movie, but that really sells it more is because that for me is the moment where he's like his whole concept of his father, not liking him and him being a disappointment and always just trying to strive to something to impress his father alive or dead mm-hmm. changes. And that is the moment that Tony Stark changes. Like you can think that he changes in Avengers too, but like that moment begins when he hears his father saying, you are my greatest creation and only you can take the next step in this, in this thing that I've started because I don't have the technology, but you, my greatest creation can figure this out. And that moment clicks in his brain and it starts the Tony Stark evolution and the Tony Stark growth. Agreed. Anyway. Um, let's talk about the very brief but exciting post credit scene on this film. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, we get a uh, desert backdrop, a car driving down a lonely road, um, okay. outsteps Agent Phil Coulson, picks up his phone. We, like, pan to reveal this deep hole in the ground behind him, and he says, Sir, we've got it. And then we zoom out, and we see Thor's hammer. Cut. That, I just threw my pen, that is how you do a post-credit scene. That's a good tease, you think? Oh my gosh. He says like five words tops in the whole thing, and we get Thor's hammer as the reveal of what's coming next. I hate that 
they that Marvel moved away from those that kind of of post credit scene. Oh, you know, and in, in, in the later half, in the later half, they're a lot more jokey. But more back then, straight scenes from another movie that's yeah. about to come out. But back then, they were like hype machines, and that is so much more rewarding than what they're doing now. And I hope now that I have some hope. I don't know that it's well placed. But now that the Infinity Saga is over and we're essentially restarting in a big way that we can get back to some of those um, hints that mm-hmm. they used to do instead of well, the jokes. I think there's a, cool stuff. there's a two, there's, I have two things for that because I agree that that is what they need to do. But I, my fear is that we have reached a level in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where all of the really well-known characters are already out there. So everything that's coming in, like Shang-Chi, the Eternals, all of these other elements that we have that are about to show up, people don't really know about. They're not like super household names. And I have no issue in believing that Marvel won't get them there. But if you do the hype scene, you have to find this balance because people aren't going to know who they are. If you just like throw, like you throw Thor's hammer out there, a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, that's Thor. You, I don't know that a lot of people did. I think more people would know who that is. I'm going to go back to Shang-Chi just cause I know that that is the singular person coming up, but like you throw something out there that I don't even know what Shang-Chi is really known for, but like you drop a hint of whatever he's at. I think most people are like, what is that? So you have to kind of find something to get people well, hyped about those particular characters that may not be in the forefront of people's knowledge of Marvel characters. Here's what I'm going to tell you, Garrett. And I'm not going to say that there's not a, what you're saying. I think there's a lot of truth to, but the, the, the counter I'm going to offer is that that's why there already exists. Even when something is blatantly obvious, an entire, uh, 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 subculture of what did the blank scene mean after this movie? True. Like, People like they put it on YouTube, like the day the movie comes out, what the post credit scene for blank means, you know? Uh, so like there is ample room for, if you go and you see a movie and you go to the, and you watch all the way to the end and you don't understand the post credit scene, quick Google. And like, there's someone so, somewhere has already written up exactly what it is, what it's about, what it's setting up. That information is, is pretty easily accessible these days. And I think because nowadays, so like even back then in 2010, we knew that Marvel was working on a Thor movie. And we knew that they were supposedly working on a Captain America movie at the time. So I think it, it, today, by today's standards, it wouldn't be that hard to, if you went and saw Black Widow and at the end they had something that seemingly teased like an Asian American person or an Asian American bad guy or something like that, people would, I think, go, that must be Shang-Chi because I know that they're working on that. Or sure. that must be Black Panther too because I just saw an actor I recognize mm-hmm. um, or something like that. Like I think there's a certain level of it's not that hard to find out this information these days. No, but I, think, I, I do. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that, that making those scenes for the, for the general audience is, is a fatal error right away. Um, nowadays, everyone knows to stay to the end of a Marvel movie, but, you, mm-hmm. but it wasn't common knowledge then. There had only been three movies. How would you really know? Sure. And so those scenes did not used to be for the casual viewer. They were for the Marvel fans. Mm-hmm. And making it for the casual viewer was where they went wrong. Yeah. It should be something specific that only a Shang-Chi fan would know mm-hmm. because that will get those core fans hyped up. And then, some, yeah. and then in 10 years when everyone knows who Shang-Chi is and they go back and watch the post credit scene, then their mind is blown even more. Don't yeah. make it easy. Make That's, it hard. Yeah. 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 And, and because also David's right, there'll be an article up in five seconds that will explain. That's what very it means. true. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. and 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 I and I make it meaningful. Make it something intriguing and something interesting. No, don't make it a joke. Make it something um, like because this this had a certain level of like well, what you know if you don't know what it is, you go, what is that? Right yeah, now, you like a hammer, but I only saw it for a second. Yes. You know, or if you know what it is, you go, you know, if you're you're excited, going, oh, that's Thor. That's you know, that's Thor's hammer. Oh my gosh. Or something like that. I remember looking to uh, at my wife when we watched the movie in theaters, and I was like, "That's Thor," and she was like, "What's Thor?" No, it's right. <laughs> the uh, the I'm second like, Thor, and she's like, "Well, it hurts." The second um, branch that I was going to get to uh, was oh no, my microphone went away. Uh, the second branch of that, what I was going to get to, is that because of these 
new movies coming out aren't necessarily known is that you have to do something to get them hyped. And I don't want to see a scene from a movie. I want to see a tease. I want you to tease me and get me excited about it. So that's what they, that's the good thing about like that Thor thing. It's like, even if I don't know what that is, it intrigues me enough that I want to find out. So I don't think that they should make it easy because it takes the fun out of it. No. Give me some mystery and yeah. get me intrigued and hyped. Now you, now, you can do a scene from the movie if, if, it's, if it works. Um, this is essentially a scene from, from the movie Thor. Like we get this scene in the movie, um, but it's framed differently. Like the, 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 the presentation, it's a different presentation of, of, of a shot we actually get in the movie. So I think that's the way you do it is you kind of find a, a different way to shoot a shot that has that kind of mystery about it, intrigue, or maybe reveals a piece of information that is uh, of note. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, Kenneth Branagh shot this, uh, this post credit scene. Uh, it looks different than the rest of the movie, so it really feels like something special at the end. Um, and this is only the second time they had done one. They didn't actually do one for The Incredible Hulk. So, yeah, people weren't really, you know, quite used to the, the staying after the credits, I don't think. Right. No, they, did, at this I, point. they absolutely were not. You go to a Marvel movie today, if, if movies were open, and there will still be people who get up and leave. Like, mm-hmm. that's... Mm-hmm. It's not. We, we have to remember. Yeah, we have to remember that. Like, not everyone knows the stuff that, like, even we would know. Some people do not know who Thor was at all. Um, some people don't know to stay. Some people just do not think about these movies as much as as we would. Well, they're just there for a good time. That's right. <laughs> to add a little bit more to that, I remember when I first saw Avengers: Infinity War. You got up and left, didn't you? No, like three quarters, like three quarters of the audience got up and left. Yeah, well, and uh, that's disappointing because not to talk about another movie too much, but Infinity War has a great post-credit scene that yes. it's it's a good example of the recent films having a good one that wasn't a joke. That is where you get um, she, uh, not Shield, um, Fury, and Maria Hill. Um, being dusted and at the same time desperately calling for Captain Marvel. So there you have two main characters being killed that you didn't expect. You have them sending out a distress call for a superhero that casual moviegoers do not know who it, who it is. Yeah. And then the ones who do are super excited. And guess what? That movie's coming up next. And you that know, movie's coming up the, next. You know, and you'll see not, that one soon. Not only are the, 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 the fans excited, but I remember also thinking, now how are they going to do that? Because the next Captain Marvel movie I know is set in the 90s. Now, mm-hmm. most people don't know that because they don't read like what the stuff I read. But now my gears are really turning. Mm-hmm. That was a good post-credit scene. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we've that, already covered I, think, I feel Avengers. like we finished the movie now. Yeah, we've already covered Avengers Infinity War, and you can listen to that on our podcast feed. That's right. Google so many sequels, Avengers. <laughs> So with that, I think we've expended our talk about Iron Man 2. Iron Man wait, wait, wait. I have one more thing. I have one more thing. Oh, boy. Just, just real small. Y'all see that Olivia Munn? Yes. <laughs> she showed up. Boom. Olivia Munn. Scared me. I wasn't ready for that. I did yeah. not know she was in this. Yeah, she had a different part. X-Men Apocalypse. Point. Yeah, Olivia Munn and Kate Morrow were both in this movie. And they both had different roles at one point. I forgot the Kate And Mar- rewrites drilled them down. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, uh, I think it's Emily. Emily Blunt was originally supposed to be Scarlet. It was supposed to be Black Widow. That would have been good. Yeah. She I had like to drop down. Well, anyway, she got to be Mary Poppins later on, so she did all right. <laughs> so who wins? Emily, Emily Blunt did all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so yes. Let's talk about the box office of this movie. Let's do it. So uh, Iron Man 2 came, back, came out, like we said, uh, May 7th of 2020. Of 2020, <laughs> of 2010, uh, big big opening weekend. Three day total of 128.1 million dollars. Huge open for uh, for that time. Now that's of course been blown out of the water by more recent films, but pretty good. Um, in its second week at number two is a Nightmare on Elm Street, the uh, 2010 remake, brought in 9.1 million. In its seventh week, this is kind of impressive. Uh, at number three, you have How to Train Your Dragon, the first one. Uh, brought in $6.6 6 in its seventh week. 
And then at number four, you have Date Night bringing in 5.4 in its fifth week. That was uh, Steve Carell, Tina Fey. And then at number five, you have The Backup Plan with, uh, the one with the Rock. I think that's the one with The Rock. Yeah, uh, it is. No, I'm sorry. This is not the one with The Rock. This oh. is, uh, what is this? What do I stumbled upon? Uh, well, look, well, who cares? Um, the Backup <laughs> no Plan brought in $5 million in its third week. Uh, Iron Man would go on to make $312 million in the United States and $311 million, almost equal, overseas to bring in a worldwide total of $623 million worldwide, which is a pretty good haul. Um, on the, on the, the list of the year for 2010, anybody want to take a guess at number one for the year 2010? Is it Iron Man 2? It is not. Is it Inception no, these are these are worldwide numbers. Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Is it Mr. a Fast worldwide. and Furious? No. Is uh, it a Harry Potter? It is not a Harry Potter. Although a Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows is number three. Twenty ten. Mm-hmm. Is it a sequel? It is a sequel. Uh, I'm gonna feel stupid. And it's a sequel we've done. Oh man. Oh, is it? No, it's one of that. I got nothing. Oh, Garrett, calling it quits. I'm good. <laughs> Andrew, calling it quits. The fact that Andrew doesn't know means none of us are going to know. <laughs> well, Any last guesses, Josh? A 2010 sequel that we've already covered mm-hmm. that is the highest grossing movie in the world that year. And, and, it's, not, and it's not a Harry Potter. It can't be a Star War. Nope. <laughs> it can't be a Star Trek. No. It, it's not Avatar, is it? That's it's not, not, a not a sequel. Nor have we covered it, you big doof. I already gave you that hint. No, Avatar ah. came out in 2009. Oh my gosh, I don't want to give up, but I don't want to drag this out either. Can I, I'll give you one more hint if you, if you want it. Give, yeah, one more hint. It is animated. Oh, is Toy Story 3? It is. Ah. Toy Story 3. If you would like to listen to our Toy Story uh, 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 podcast, which honestly might have been one of my favorites that we've ever done, is the Toy Doesn't Story work. franchise. Uh, go check that out. It goes so many sequels. Toy Story. At number two for the year, and these, uh, this, is, this is true on both uh, the domestic and the worldwide numbers. Number one was Toy Story 3 for 2010. Number two, Alice in Wonderland, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Uh, both of those movies would make over a billion dollars worldwide. And when Alice in Wonderland did it, I thought, this isn't special anymore. Making more than a billion dollars worldwide. True. Um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 came in at number three. At number four, you have Inception, making it the year's highest grossing original concept. And at number five, you have Shrek Forever After. What a top five. Those are your worldwide numbers. The only difference domestically is that Harry Potter is number five, Iron Man's number three, and Twilight uh, Eclipse is number four. On the, on the worldwide scale... Iron Man 2 uh, came in at number seven. Um, some other uh, movies of interest that year um, are uh, things like uh, The King's Speech, uh, Oscar winner that year, The Hurt Locker. Um, you also had, let's see here, uh, the remake of The Karate Kid came out that year. And uh, another movie that we'd, we've actually already done is uh, Grown Ups. Grown Ups. Grown Ups came out in 2010. Now, I'll tell you what. Fans listening or watching at home, if you're watching, if you really want to have some fun, go listen to the Grown Ups podcast with these three, because you will never hear a funnier, a funnier transition than the end of Grown Ups and the beginning of Grown Ups too. It is hilarious how different the opinions became. Oh yeah, you guys started off. You guys ended Grown Ups like I really like that, but it's a delightful great. surprise that was. Grown Ups too, you guys went. It's terrible. It's a, it was a great example of a movie that never should have gotten a sequel. <laughs> Comedy sequels, man. What can we say? I don't know. Don't add, um, and don't, really, don't that put Nick's is words in it. that is about it. I've only got one stat left. Iron Man Two is interestingly enough, if you look at just the domestic numbers, the lowest grossing of the Iron Man franchise. And if you look at the MCU as a whole, it is. Oh, where, hang on. Me combined. Kevin, what do you look for? Oh, who's yelling at me? 
an ad popped up. Uh, if you look at end. the MCU as a whole, Iron Man 2 is in the number 20 spot. Of uh, 22? 20 yes. Not great, Bob. What's, yeah. this, no, this has, this has old Spider-Man in it. Hang on. Um, yeah. so otherwise, we can move on to the Letterbox game, which Josh won last, last week's show. Oh, I didn't oh, remember that. Man. Okay. Gee. So, on Letterboxd, uh, you can find our profile there. Just search for so many sequels if you remember. Um, if you're not, then I'm going to treat it like a Marvel post credit scene and not tell you anything more about it other than you should be there. So, Iron Man 2. On a scale of 0.5 to 5, mm-hmm. where do y'all think... The Letterboxd sorry, community ranked it. I'm sorry, I want to correct myself. Iron Man 2 is 15 on the MCU overall. Okay. I'm going to say it's a 3.1. Okay, got a 3.1. Anyone want to go lower, higher? I'm going to go 3.3. Oh, three. y'all are going three. high. 3.3, 3.3. I know, I don't want to go this I did. I, I'm kind of trying to, I don't know. Well, so if I what was Iron Man? Do we remember? Does anybody remember? It was three something. Three point something. I think it was like three point nine. Uh, okay, so it was three point seven. Three seven. I'm not gonna go three just because of how universally panned this normally is. I'll get it close. I'm gonna say two eight. Yeah, two eight. I think it's in this range. Okay. Um, the. I'm like fighting back a sneeze that wants to come out real bad. <laughs> and I know the more I talk, the more it won't come out. Okay. The, the winner is going to be no. So nobody got it dead on. Nobody got it dead on. Wayne. We all suck. Um, but Garrett is the closest. Hey. With, with a 2.9. 2.9. There you go. Letterboxed. What, um, what are our individual scores going to be? Two and a half from me. Mm. One, two, My one. version of the movie is a three, though. I'm just saying. You, got, you can't. You can't count your. Yeah, version. like your version of movie is only is only moderately better than the version yeah. that came out. Yeah, what's Listen, up with I that? Can, I can only work with you what I'm given. Can't write a five star movie, Gary. No, not with the content that already exists. I can't write a five star. I can't you know, write. No, what we need movie. to do. What we need to do is in the future we need to have Garrett before we even do the, the podcast. He needs to write these screenplays that are better in his head and hand them out to us so we can compare and contrast. It would all be the same. It would all be the same. Make it a Patreon. My career career has been as an editor, not a creator. (laughs) I take other people's creations and make it better. You'll make notes, and then you just rewrite the screenplay. Use whatever you want to. That's literally what I do in my notes right now. That's why I know my movies better. All right. Well, if you want access to Garrett's notes, we'll make that. We'll try to make that a Patreon perk. <laughs> yeah, that's a Patreon perk. You can see everything I write. Um, Next, I give I'll, it a. I do give it a three. I would give it a, a two and a half. I also give it a two and a half, mm. and our final score is going to be. Two point six two. So that's, that's gonna have that's gonna have to be a um, round it up to three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a six rounds up to a three. It's bigger than five. Rounds up to three. She said. I think it rounds Lower down to two and a half. I think it needs to be two point seven five to round up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm fine with a two and a half. That's that's fine. Yeah, there it is. I knew it was coming gross okay so yes 2.5 is our final score for iron man a little bit lower than the consensus on letterbox but that's okay people it's are, in the people range can, yeah it's it's in the range so we'll be back next week with iron man 3 mm-hmm. wrapping up our iron man series um subscribe to our youtube channel if you haven't done that yet you're on it if you're watching this if you're not, you're probably on a podcast. So go find us on YouTube. And you can also subscribe to our podcast and you can listen in the car or where whatever you're doing. I don't know. I listen to podcasts in the car. I do Andrew, do. where oh, do you listen like to podcasts? almost exclusively where I listen to podcasts. Andrew, genu- he has what? no idea what a podcast is. He thinks that we're just here talking like friends. He doesn't know that it's being recorded. He doesn't understand what's happening. 
<laughs> I like I like the picture Andrew that Andrew man. Andrew prints off a vinyl of a podcast and then puts it on like an old timey Grammy phone. He does. He does. Yeah. No, he doesn't okay. even know. He doesn't. That boy don't even have a record player. He's so old, That's he true. don't know what a record player is. You know what though? Whenever I've been at a at a store with him, he goes and looks at the records, even though he ain't got no player. <laughs> he got a framed record you, above, you like his, the art, above his TV. Ain't like got no art. record player. <laughs> uh, don't listen you know, to pie. He don't. He's never once listened to this show. He's every quiet time that we try to explain. Every time that we try to explain what a podcast is, six weeks later we got to re-explain what a podcast is. <laughs> He just don't get it. Oh, man. I did not think this was going to end with us just dunking on you, but I'm it glad it normally did. does. Boy, Andrew, you but know not we always. only hate you because we love you. I love you guys, too. Okay, now fire him. <laughs> <laughs> now now he's made... I, You've gone too far. You've made it... Okay. Made us oh. all very uncomfortable. Okay, Andrew's find us online, out. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, your favorite podcasting app, and uh, Letterboxd. Okay, we'll be back next time with Iron Man 3. Until then. We are sorry sequels. <laughs> <laughs> the worst one he's ever done. That is the worst one. <laughs>